faithwire.com. CNN's Jeff Zucker suddenly steps down, and there's more to the story. Today is Wednesday, February 2nd, 2022. I'm Dan Andros. Love that. And more on today's 4 and 3 podcast from CBN's Faithwire. You can find us on iTunes. Go ahead and give us a subscribe over there. Leave a rating, a comment, whatever you want to do over there on iTunes. We'd love to have you join us. With me today, as always, Trey Gons Phillips and Billy Hallowell from CBNsFaithWire.com. Happy Wednesday to you, too. What's going on, guys? Well, it really is almost the weekend now. Yeah, you're wishing it. You're willing it into existence here. Yeah. Manifesting it. <laughs> We're inching closer and closer, um, but we're happy that y'all are joining us so we can just count down to the week weekend together. Um, so I'm going to be talking about this story is crazy. It's, it's tragic and it's also weird because it's a brand new thing, but we're going to be talking about the metaverse and this woman who says that she was sexually assaulted virtually on the metaverse and there it's raised a lot of questions. Mm. We'll get into those. Yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to make light of that story at all, but I will say I have been assaulted by the metaverse almost every day, making me log in 400 <laughs> times since they switched to metaverse. It's so annoying. But well, um, anyway, so yeah, my really personal venting is that's a me thing. Yeah, that's, I was gonna say, that's really a you problem. Yeah, um, it is. I don't know why it's doing it. But anyway, continue. <laughs> well, we also have the story of Brittany De La Mora. Some people may be familiar with her story. She's an ex-porn star who is on a mission mm-hmm. to help Christians escape pornography addiction. All right. Looking forward to those stories. We're going to start right here with CNN. Big news that made a splash today on uh, online and and, and around the around the Internet. CNN President Jeff Zucker resigns over a romantic relationship with one of their marketing executives there, Allison Gallist, who, uh, interestingly, she also happened to be a former um, PR flag for Governor Cuomo. That's what her job was before CNN. So this was uh, some surprising news, and it's all coming uh, quickly because uh, there's this lawsuit going on with Chris Cuomo, who, as you know, was recently fired from CNN. But he is suing the network, trying to get a settlement, a, a kind of a severance deal uh, worked out, which is I think standard fare for high-profile hosts, especially if they get fired like that, that they that they are going to work something out and they're going to. Uh, have the lawyers get involved. But because of that, there's a lot of discovery. And apparently, according to reports and sources, he's Cuomo had saved all these emails and there's a, apparently damaging information. And uh, it would seem to be, guys, that that would be likely, even though it's not confirmed yet, um, because as part of that investigation into Cuomo's tenure at CNN, uh, Zucker was asked about a consensual relationship with my closest colleague, someone I've worked with for more than 20 years. I mean, you, you hate to connect the dots here when it's not confirmed, but it sure looks like this is Cuomo had a revenge plan in his back pocket in case something like this ever happened. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> and so he's looks like he is putting it into motion because uh, or there's other stuff there because it, it seems very odd that Zucker is being forced to step down uh, because of this, especially because. The other person on this relationship is apparently still going to stay at CNN and continue working there. So if there are these undisclosed relationships you're not supposed to have, then why is only one of them going instead of both of them? Uh, so th- there's been rumors going around about the two of them. Zucker split from his wife back in 2018. 
And there had been rumors going back years that that these two were in a relationship, though they always had denied it. Um, page six, you know, does that kind of stuff, and they ask him all the time. But but very interesting, guys. And um, really, it just there's so many layers here. And you know, why does it matter? I mean, I think it's because we're watching mainstream media, and you wonder how could they do something like promote Governor Cuomo in the midst of of coronavirus and and things of that nature, and then you see the things that are happening behind the scenes and it starts to come become a little clearer uh, as to maybe some of the reasons as to why uh, we we saw the coverage play out the way that it did. So uh, the trust in media from Americans is already at an all-time low, guys. And this, I think, is just going to... It's just going to make it go even lower. I mean, it's how low can you go uh, for media trust and... And again, that's one of the reasons why we're here at CBN and Faithwire. I mean, we're trying as Christians to faithfully report the news. And um, because you have a shortage of that, seemingly, at networks like CNN. Yeah, and I think, you know, when you look at just that trust factor, it's so crazy to me that it just continues to plummet. You go back decades, and the plummeting started a couple of decades ago, and now we're kind of all the way down the hill. And, you know, you you think to yourself, okay, well, if you're going to lecture, I guess it's a great lesson just on our humility. If you're going to lecture the entire country on what morality is, if you're going to fact check everything Donald Trump does and says, which, by the way, I think it's healthy for media. But then not do it for Biden. Right. But then not do it for Biden. And then, by the way, also have, you know, insane turmoil inside of your newsroom and your operations, you know, consistently. It just makes you wonder. And it it sort of makes me say, okay, you know, clean your own house first, because clearly there is chaos at CNN. And that is an understatement. I also just think that CNN plus is a hard sell right now. I I, (laughs) I, I think I would rather have CNN minus is what I've been saying. I heard you were subscribed. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Discovery now. Uh, I so I have Discovery Plus, and a, and there's a merger happening. So I'm wondering if CNN Plus is going to be part of my what I have now, and if so, I'm going to need to. I guess yeah. I just have to cancel it See, all. I, look, I think Trey. I think what you're saying here is if if there's anyone in the audience who's tech savvy and can create an app that will remove CNN yes. from your lineup on your cable outlet or whatever you subscribe to, maybe. That CNN send minus, yeah, send us the tech, we'll get it going and we'll have CNN minus so that it'll automatically right. remove it from from your line. I think that's a great idea. Oh, I, I think man. so too. And I just, here's the, the thing that <sighs> Brian Stelter never ceases to amaze me in the way that he will talk about a lot of this stuff. And so just a couple of days ago, he was talking about the, we talk, I think we talked about the Joe Rogan stuff on the podcast a little while ago um, and just about the the Spotify stuff yeah. and the artists leaving and, and um, uh, over what they say is his misinformation and disinformation on his podcast. Uh, so there, these artists are asking their, for their music to be pulled. But anyway, Brian Stelter said the other day, people trusting Joe Rogan over newsrooms like <laughs> CNN is a problem that is much bigger than Spotify. And I was, I retweeted it said, I, I think Stelter's right, but I don't think he understands why, why people are trusting right. <laughs> right. Joe Rogan more than yeah. they're trusting CNN. So it's like, until you actually want to look reality in the face, you can say that a problem exists all day long, uh, but the problem is not going to be solved until you realize, and it's not just CNN. I mean, every, 
every news outlet, particularly cable news, has made mistakes and missteps over the years. Um, but CNN has certainly made their fair share. And until you want to realize you have some culpability here, uh, the problem, my friend, is just going to get bigger. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like the, it's like the captain on the Titanic. Everyone sees the leak and they're and it's like, no, guys, don't worry about it. Just go back in and get comfortable. I mean, I don't know why everyone's panicking. This is a problem. Like, well, no, there's a giant leak in the in the yes. boat. And so uh, that that's the reason why the, the people are panicking. So it's the same thing with this. You're absolutely right, Trey. I mean, it, it's it's the, the lack of self-awareness to say something like that from Stelter was was pretty stunning because, yeah. you know, people are tired of hearing incredibly biased news. And so when they hear Rogan, like you don't have to agree with Rogan on everything he says, but he is bringing people from different points of view onto his podcast. And uh, that's more than you can say for a place like CNN. Yeah. And I don't even know that it's that people are tired of bias news. I think people are flocking to it, but they want to know what the bias is. Yeah. Like they want to, hmm. they want to be aware of it. They don't want people to continue telling them, Oh no, our minds are as white as snow. We don't have any bias when they live in urban areas and have only ever interacted with progressives. I mean, that is, yeah, yeah. that well, is I, the problem yeah. with this. No, that's right? true. And I don't mean like a bias in a way of just kind of leaning or, or kind of appealing to one one audience or not but it, it seems like there's this when i say bias i guess i'm probably talking more about misinformation this disconnect between they're running a lot of things that aren't necessarily true or or you know saying oh well people you know the, the transgender stuff's a good example right saying not addressing biological sex and um, you know, saying men can't get pregnant, you know, that sort of stuff is the, the sort of thing that you would see them sort of uphold there. And, and people are watching this going, wait a minute. No, no, two plus two actually is four. And they're so they're being told things that aren't true. And they're being kind of force fed to accept it as truth. I think that yeah. is a lot of what from a news network. I think a lot of that kind of stuff is, uh, you know, the mostly peaceful protests, you know, for <laughs> BLM and then it's you know it's a national it's a national tragedy on January 6th right and you, there's no equality when it comes to how they're covering the news and so that's kind of what I'm what I'm aiming at there uh when I when I bring that up that makes sense yeah yeah, yeah well yeah. and I think Billy to your point I've had people over the years say well is there anywhere we can go to get like really obje objective news? And I've, I said, no, uh, there's, there's not a place that you can go to get completely objective news because we're human beings and that's just not possible. You can't weed out all of your biases. So I think it is uh, important to be upfront about what your bias might yeah. be. And I think that people are endeared to that. That's like, you know, CBN, we don't get it right all the time, but we make it clear that our bias is the gospel. Like we're, right. everything we're is Christian going to broadcast be broadcast network, right? So, yes. Yeah. Like everything we do is going to be framed around the gospel. We're human beings. So we make mistakes. We don't cover everything perfectly, but we're upfront about our bias. And I think news organizations would do well to be upfront about what their bias is, because then I think people uh, would be more apt to listen to them. Uh, um, though that you know just continues the problem we have of of people being pushed further and further into right. their silos. Yeah. But that's that's, that's a whole other issue. discussion. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so all, all right. right. Yeah. Story number two. So this story is. I just want to say up front, um, the content is is disturbing, and uh, you know it, it's it has to do with a an, a virtual sexual assault, which is something that I think is 
it's hard to wrap your mind around it exactly what what it is but uh, i'm just going to go through this story and, and share some of the details uh, so the metaverse which is the virtual reality apparatus that was is owned by facebook's parent company they call it horizon worlds but so facebook's parent company used to be facebook is now called meta so this is their metaverse um overnight it turned from just a platform a vr platform into essentially a virtual crime scene, according to one woman who used uh, a beta version of the platform. So Nina Jane Patel, uh, she's 43 years old, and in mid-December, she wrote a lengthy Medium post uh, claiming that she was, quote, virtually gang-raped in the simulated world. And this is the disturbing part that, you know, the, the content is disturbing. This is what she wrote about what happened. She said, within 60 seconds of joining, I was verbally and sexually harassed. Three to four male avatars with male voices essentially virtually gang raped my avatar and took photos uh, as I tried to get away. Uh, and they you know, yelled things at her while it was, you know, virtually typing words or yelling obscene things um, at her as the interaction was taking place. She later said that the entire experience was a nightmare, noting that it happened so fast and before I could even think about putting the safety barriers in place. And during a separate interview with the New York Post just uh, this month or last month now, uh, she's a mother, she lives in the UK. Uh, she argued that these kinds of harassment incidents in the metaverses are, are all only going to become more prolific. Uh, she said it's a serious issue that the industry needs to come together on to put in place the correct security controls uh, and safety me measures. Uh, she, although the obviously the, this um, alleged assault happened in cyberspace, uh, Patel said that it's still difficult in this day and age to deal with it uh, for the obvious reasons, but also because it's becoming psychologically more difficult to differentiate, she said, between simulated reality and, and flesh and blood, you know, physical uh, realities. She said virtual reality has essentially been designed so the mind and body can't differentiate virtual slash digital experiences from real experiences. In some capacity, my physiological and psychological response was as though it happened um, in reality. Uh, so point number two here, I want to give uh, Meta's response. Uh, Joe Osborne, a spokesperson for the company, told uh, the New York Post that he regrets that Patel endured this uh, alleged virtual assault and noted that the platform will be making quote-unquote improvements uh, to ensure user safety in the future. He said, we're sorry to hear, but hear this happened. Uh, we want everyone in Horizons venues uh, to have a positive experience, easily find the safety tools that can help in situations like this and help us investigate and take action. Horizon venues should be safe, and we are committed to building it that way. We will continue to make improvements as we learn more about how people interact in these spaces, especially when it comes to helping people report uh, things like this uh, more easily uh, and reliably, reliably. Patel, for her part, this is interesting, she's decided to create her own metaverse uh, that has built in a lot of child safety measures in particular. Uh, hers is called uh, Kabuni. Uh, she said that she wants it to be an unimaginable immersive experience centered around education that takes each child safely into the metaverse to explore, learn, and grow. Um, because she said it's critical to have these options, particularly for kids. This will be targeting 8 to 16-year-olds uh, because she said they're going to inevitably be occupying metaverse space uh, more and more. Now, as far as why it matters, and this has kind of been a, a long story, but as far as why this matters is 
it is inescapable. We are going to have more people in virtual reality, even churches. I know, Billy, you had an interview just a few weeks ago uh, about Life Church uh, in Edmond, Oklahoma. They've got dozens of physical campuses, but now they have a campus that's in a metaverse. Um, and they've you know had 200 people attending one of their first services. And I think it was three people said that they made decisions to follow Christ. So there are great things that can happen in these metaverses, but it's also... Um, a tricky space because there there are awful horrific things that can happen too. So I think it, it's critical uh, that we learn how to navigate these spaces and figure out how to navigate them. And it's raising a lot of questions about what kind of regulation could could be coming down the pike because um, I think we're just going to see more and more and more uh, of this as as people start engaging with virtual reality more, you know, every day. Yeah, mm-hmm. man, that's tough. And I, I, look. I think one of the big problems with, you know, social media in general is that the identity thing, you don't have to have a real identity on there. And I think that yeah, what you see a lot are people doing things that they would not normally do in real life. You know, if like if you think pre-internet, you know, pre-chat rooms, pre-social media, you know, I think people acted differently. They're just things that, you know, you wouldn't do. Uh, and then people are willing to do them online, you know, like mm-hmm. the, these horrible, you know, harassments and, and things of that nature. Um, you know, and, and what you see playing out all the arguing about all of the, everyone's different beliefs, you know, all of that stuff just playing out on social media with a lot of egg accounts and stuff. It's, uh, you know, it, it's a problem that I don't know how you solve it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how you solve it. And I think the church is really going to have to be on guard for this. And I know that we've obviously got Life Church and others who are using it to evangelize, and there's a lot of controversy there. But when I mean on guard, I'm saying, you know, how are you going to protect your kids from this? And do we really want our kids spending most of their time in a fake world when they have a real world right around them? It seems like all of these things, they have positives, but they also condition us to be disconnected and distracted even more. And that that's a real concern as I just think about my kids. I mean, imagine walking in your house and your kids are on the couch with virtual reality glasses on, living an entirely different life that is not real. Yeah. Yeah. Strange. I'm so torn on the virtual reality goggle thing because there are so many cool things you can do. Like, like for example, uh, and I don't have these things yet, but, but the one thing I thought of that would be fun to do is I think like I'm an NBA fan. I'm a basketball fan. They, I, for some of the games, they have, like the 360 cameras all down on the court side and you can put on the goggles and be at the game on the court watching it in full mm-hmm. high def like you're there. Uh, uh, so like things like that are appealing to me. But yeah, like obviously people take it too far and they just turn these things on. They're walking around. You can totally picture. I mean, 30 years ago, no, everyone, if you would have said everyone's going to be walking around with their faces buried in these little handheld devices You'd have laughed at him. Yeah. And and so now if you say something, you you can kind of say, okay, well, we didn't believe that would happen. But what if I say everyone's going to be walking around with goggles and not looking at each other? Like that's, it's totally plausible. And uh, honestly, it's a frightening thought. I think the other downside is it makes you look like an absolute crazy person. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Your hands are moving around and you're reaching out for stuff. Yeah, it's... uh, it's Running a into a wall, maybe even. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. I think that there. I. I don't know. I don't. 
I don't want to be the negative Nancy here, but sorry, Nancy's, but there's I more feel like, than pros here. Yeah. I just think that we're opening up some strange doors. I mean, already this woman allegedly is in there for what? 60 seconds. And this happens. Right. And to your point, Dan, look at all the eggs on Twitter, the people who don't have an avatar, how awful they are many times. And you know, when you, when you're emboldened to do whatever with no consequence, you're going to do, some people are going to do whatever. And yeah. so that's, that's the scary part here. Yeah, it is indeed. Okay. Well, that brings us to our last story, an uplifting story about Brittany De La Mora. Brittany De La Mora was a porn star. She worked in the adult film industry for seven years and has this crazy story. Back in 2013, 2014, she left the industry and it became a really big story at the time. And that was when I first connected with her and had a chance to kind of hear where she came from and what she went through. But we recently caught up with Brittany to hear her just incredible journey. She's expecting her second child. She is married to a pastor and she's just an, a totally different person. And she shared some of the finer elements of her story. She talked about how she went into the adult film industry for seven years and felt like this was everything she had been looking for. She thought she was going to find love and affirmation and attention, but she told Faithwire that she didn't find any of those things. In fact, she had to start using drugs and trying to basically escape the real world she was in, um, you know, to, to basically cope with working in the porn industry and to get through doing the scenes that she was doing. Uh, but unfortunately she said that pride kept her locked in this industry, that she stayed there again, almost a decade, seven years, uh, making tons of these videos that will live on forever. And then she came to a place in her life where she realized oh my goodness, you know, the Holy Spirit really got to her. You know, and it's interesting, and I bring this up because, and it's sort of part of the why it matters, but she, around three and a half years after she joined the the, um, adult entertainment industry, she went to church for the first time and started to learn about Jesus. And it started to take root in her life, but she found herself going back into the industry. And and so it took, it it was a process of those seven years for her to realize oh my goodness, I don't want to live this life anymore. She said, quote, not only has my sin broken my life, but I'm leading others into a broken life. That was a realization that Brittany came to. And so the cool part of the story is she becomes a Christian. She leaves the industry behind. And just to emphasize why this really does matter, this is somebody who was making a ton of money, had fame, as strange as that sounds, in that industry. And she had to leave and she had no job, no money, and had to go from having all of this money and this fame to making probably minimum wage, right? And rebuilding her life from the ground up. That was how committed to her faith she was. Flash forward, and now she and her husband, Richard, they have a new course out. And this is a course that is called Search, How to Stop Watching Porn. And the entire goal is to provide tools for both men and women to stop looking at porn. And so this is something that, they, that they've got through their Love Always Ministries, which you can look up and uh, and check out. But they're doing some really amazing things. And she's just out there, she said, trying to help people escape this industry, trying to help Christians in particular. We know that many Christians are addicted to pornography. And so it's uh, it's incredible watching what she's doing. Yeah. And, and especially when you consider just the the shame and the embarrassment factor, Um has of her past has to be that's got to be difficult to put yourself out there like that knowing this past is out there and that people can search it or whatever um it's i I can't imagine it's it's very easy to to put yourself out like that 
and share that story. So kudos to her. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think it's, it's really important that people like Brittany De La Mora, and I know, um, Bill, you've talked with Joshua Broom, another former pornography star who's now a believer and um, uh, is, is evangelizing. Um, it's important for these people to share their stories because it humanizes the pornography that that so many people consume because, and it's easy to abstract it to think, well, this is not a real person. This is just uh, two individuals or whatever on a, on a screen. Uh, and I, you know, close my laptop, whatever, and I can be done with it. Uh, when the reality is, is that these are fellow image bearers and it reminds you of that. It puts it right in front of your face. When you see Brittany or you see Josh telling their story, it's like, this is a real human being whose life was, severely impacted by pornography. Uh, and when we click through those videos or whatever, we're a part of that problem. We're, we're, we're continuing uh, that problem. Um, so I think it's really, really, really important to highlight their stories for that reason. Uh, in addition to being able to see just the goodness and grace of God and how sweet he is uh, to, to transform people's lives and then give them the platform to tell other people about it in hopes that the people seeing and hearing their stories uh, will realize that, Hey, I struggle with pornography, but if she can go through all that she went through and can be where she is now, uh, then there's hope that God can do the same thing for me. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. If you can, if she can overcome it and leave it, anybody can overcome and leave anything in their lives. And that's, that's the powerful testimony. Absolutely. All right. Well, that is all the time we have today. We're going to leave it here. Um, As always, you can head on over to cbnnews.com, faithwire.com for more news from a Christian perspective. We will be back here tomorrow with more of what is going on in the world and uh, bringing you that Christian perspective on those stories. So thanks for being here. Thanks for joining us. Share the podcast. Tell a friend. We'd love to have everybody join us as we go through the news together. God bless. We'll see you here tomorrow.